This morning, if you aren't aware of it, we, we called it a vision morning. It's a point where we try and do this a couple of times a year, where we just try and share a little bit about what we feel God's doing in a season. Uh, help us see what God's doing so we can engage with him and uh, uh, let his spirit work amongst us. You know, uh, if, if I got Graham Coates up at this point in time, Graham is, uh, I'm going to call him an optician, he's more than an optician, but I can never get the title quite right, ophthalmologist, is that right? He can be whatever I want him to be. I'm going to call him an optician today because we all understand what an optician is. He helps people get good eyesight. And uh, if you've ever been to Graham's practice and had your eyes tested, it is incredibly thorough. I've benefited from his services myself. And, uh, you know, if you can get so-called 2020 vision, really, really good vision, what it does is it stops us becoming either short-sighted, that we can only see what's in front of our face, or long-sighted, that we can't see what's in front of our face, but we're so far over there, we're not actually dealing with what's present in, in front of us and in reality. And, of course, actually, as a church, we need to have... Great vision, yes, long-term, but also great short sight as well. We need that 2020 vision. We need to know, uh, have a clear sense of what God's doing, what he's calling us to, so we can respond appropriately. And I hope this morning will help us to uh, get a sense of, wow, maybe this is what God's doing amongst us. Different bits will stir different ones of us. Different bits of what I'm going to share will stir different ones of us. Isn't it great to live in a country with seasons. I don't know whether you've ever lived in a country or, or spent any long period of time in a country where there aren't seasons. For instance, if you go to Texas, which is where I'm off to this week, the leaves stay on the trees for 50 weeks of the year. Now, you may think that's how, well, surely, don't they have a, a winter? Well, not really. Yeah, winter's 20 degrees. And basically, there's a two-week period where the trees shed their leaves and produce new leaves. And so you have them all year round, basically. I mean, isn't that weird? To us, that seems so weird. As British people, we're used to having trees bare for sort of four, five, six months of the year. We're used to having the whole autumn tints and all the different bits and you know, the love bright green uh, of, of spring, of new leaf growth and all that sort of stuff. But you know... England is not unique, but it has very clear seasons. And I believe that we're entering a season as a church, a new season. I feel it's been highlighted by three prophetic words we've been given as a church. Now, you may be going, three prophetic words? I don't think I've heard about some of these. You're right, you haven't. Let me share them. The first one is this, and actually we've talked a lot about this one, it's what we call our three fields prophecy. A word brought to us a number of months ago now, back in March, uh, by a man called Guy Miller, uh, and it was talking about uh, the picture, and we've got these uh, banners at the back which depict the uh, three uh, parts of this picture really well. The picture which Guy brought was of a farm which had got a number of fields which were lying fallow. And God was saying it was time to make these fields fruitful again. And it wasn't that the whole farm was desolate. No, parts of the farm were doing well. But he was saying, actually, the farm needs to focus on three fields, particularly fields to do with welcoming the Holy Spirit and engaging with the Holy Spirit. 
field to do with the poor, serving the poor and caring for the poor. And thirdly, fields to do with youth. That is helping the youth. And in each of these, this wasn't about us, as in, well, we just need to do it for ourselves. This was about for our town. That God wants to make us highly fruitful in and across this town and even the area beyond this town for his glory in these areas. The spirit, the poor, youth. Now, the, for me, I, I, I look at those and think, wow, those are great. They're words about intimacy with the Father and fruitfulness. And, you know, we start with intimacy, and intimacy leads us to fruitfulness. As we welcome the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we engage with what he's doing, as we're obedient and submissive to God, he produces fruit in us. More recently, I, uh, I, I was given a word at West Point from an old friend of mine, a guy called Gordon from Christchurch. And he just came up. I was standing in the, the, the big hub marquee at West Point, and uh, he just came up to me and said, Andrew, uh, I've been praying for you recently. You've been on my heart. I just want to share a word I feel God's uh, given me for you. And it was a word for us as a church. And his word described ground. He said, I see a field. <laughs> okay. That got my attention. I see a field. And he said, it's dry and it's barren. The ground is hard. And when it rains, it, water just runs off it. He said that, and, and that's been part of your church's recent history. It's got parched and dry and come barren. But he said, as you, as you water it with the word and the spirit, progressively it will start to soak in. Keep watering it, keep watering it, keep watering it. And the water will eventually start to soak in. And he was just encouraging us to uh, engage with what God's saying through his word and by his spirit. And you think, oh, that's good. And I thought, oh, that's really encouraging. And then he goes, he says these words. He goes, uh, and there's three, he said, I think it's three areas in this land which is contaminated. And you need to understand if you've if you never come across contaminated land, it's a massive issue uh, in, in the property world nowadays. Contaminated land, poisoned land, ruins sites. Often you'll find sites in city centres, town centres, which have been contaminated because of their past use. I'm told there used to be a garage. I think it's on, um, going on the road out towards the Butts, where now there's McCarthy and Stone development. And it was heavily contaminated by oil and other hydrocarbons and things like that. And there's only one thing you can do when land is contaminated. You have to dig. And you have to keep on digging until all of the contamination is removed. So it doesn't spread further into the land because otherwise it just spreads and spreads. It leaches through the soil progressively and affects the whole. And you keep digging until that's removed. And he said, I feel there's three areas of contaminated land in your church. He, doesn't, he didn't say what they were. He just said, I feel there are three. And you're going to have to dig. And you have to dig deep and make sure you get all the contamination out. We'll come on to that in a moment, what that may or may not be. And then just this week, I get an email 
from a man called Ian in Basingstoke, part of our church in Basingstoke. If I've met him, I'm sorry to say, particularly Ian, if you're listening to this, I don't remember you. I don't think I've ever met him. Um, I just, he just was praying for us a church. Isn't it great to be part of a family of churches where we pray for one another? I'd encourage us, let's pray for one another. You know, we had Graham here last week from Austin, Texas. Do pray for him and the church in Austin. But let's pray also for our, our friends in Farnham and in Borden and Aldershot and Hook and Fleet and uh, all over the place. We're part of a great family. Pray for other churches in the town as well. For St. Lawrence and for the Butts and the Methodists, for the Catholics. Let's pray God's blessing because we're part of a big family, a big family. And uh, guess what? His word referred to ground conditions. He thought, okay, God, there's a bit of a theme coming up. His picture was very different. This time, it was a picture of building works going on. And the picture was of a pile driver pushing foundations down into the ground, hammering foundations down into the ground. And the sense of the word was that the ground isn't yet stable. The ground isn't yet stable, but great foundations are being built into our church. And the reason that God is wanting to put great, strong foundations uh, in us as a church, as a people, and he's going to keep on working on those, is because God wants to do something very significant here with us in Alton, for Alton, and for this area around Alton. And my heart, oh, I thought, oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, when you hear words like that, and we've talked about it as elders and God, oh, that's good. It's encouraging. It's strengthening. And that's why I'm sharing them this morning. But, you know, as I heard them, I felt God in my spirit start to stir the time. It's time. It's time for the word and spirit to soak in to our church more and more, for us to welcome the word of God, to receive the word of God and the spirit of God, to, uh, to, to bring nutrients back to dry, barren ground. <laughs> it's time for the contamination to be dug out once and for all. We'll talk about what these things look like in a moment. To get rid of the contamination that the ground will be good and healthy <laughs> and fruitful. It's time It's time for strong foundations to be established. It's time for foundations, yes, of the Word and the Spirit, but other foundations to be established. Why? So we can be all that God's called us to be, to Alton and even to the ends of the earth. It's time. And so this morning, I want to use that theme that we're entering a new season that it's time we I feel God saying it's time to enter a new season of these three areas and just look at each one of the areas and just understand a little of what that may look like to help us do so I'd like us to turn if you've got a bible with you to the book of Philippians finally we started there this morning we're just going to go a couple of chapters on to Philippians uh, chapter 3 And I'm actually going to read a passage which I preached from 
in January 2017. Now, you know, I expect most of you who are part of Harvest Church, who have been part of the church since then, will clearly remember my sermon from January 2017. You'll be able to uh, enunciate the three points I had, all beginning with the same letter. I don't do that. Um, and, uh, and be able to encourage one another from your memory of that. But just in case you don't, Let's have a read of the passage again. But what? Uh, sorry. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this, already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which, Christ, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And Father, we ask, as we consider your word, and as we see what you're also saying to us prophetically, help us, Lord. We need your help. We can't do this by ourselves. Just like Paul says, I can't do this. We need your spirit to come and bring your word to life. We need to find grace in you to let go of some stuff and to Engage and press forward. Father, God, would you come? Would you come and meet with us? Would you come and help us, Lord? We want to meet with you. Please come and meet with us by your spirit. Send your spirit now amongst us. Help us to hear what you're saying. Help us to meet you. Reveal yourself, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the three points. The first one's this. Let's understand God's purpose for us. That is how to water the ground well with his word and his spirit. How do we do that? How do we water the ground of Harvest Church well? How can we be word and spirit people I want to go back to West Point. How many here were at West Point? Just put your hands up if you're at West Point. If you don't know what West Point is, you weren't there, so don't worry. I'll explain it in a moment. Okay, so probably 50% of us, something like that, who are in this room. Great. West Point, if you weren't there, is a, uh, it's a fantastic holiday. Um, <laughs> it's a long weekend at the end of August. Over the August Bank holiday weekend, it goes from Thursday to Monday. It's a Bible camp. 
About 4,000 people this year gathered at it. Happens down in the West Country at the West Point Arena near Exeter. It's a great time of, uh, for us going away together as a church family and meeting with God together. Hearing great teaching, uh, wonderful seminars, fun activities, all sorts of different stuff happening. It's a great time. There's lots of uh, different activities for children and youth and all different age ranges and different people groups. Uh, if you haven't been, I would encourage you to book for next year. Booking's already open, I'm told. In fact, I know booking's already open because I've had to do, I've had at least one reference request already for somebody who's serving from our church who's already signed up for West Point. Well done, that person. Let's have some more. At West Point this year, I felt there were some key words brought, which we need to hear corporately, which, we, which need to challenge what we think. Guy Miller brought some teaching from the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. You may know what I'm referring to. You may not. You can always go and look in, in a Bible later on. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is recorded as bringing some teaching. And um, the normal translation in the New Testament is it's a number of phrases which start blessed. Blessed is. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And there's a number of phrases like that. And, and God just shared, actually, there's another way of uh, reading that word blessed as flourish. And he talked about how we're called to flourish as Christians. That actually, all of those statements are statements about flourishing. How we're to flourish as Christians. And he brought that sense of, hey, the Christian life isn't effectively, what we need to understand is the Christian life isn't just about getting through. It's about flourishing in God. That God actually longs for us to flourish in life, to do well in life. I don't mean to do well in life in terms of the material uh, necessarily, in terms of how the world would see prospering in life. But he wants us to do well in life in Christ. He wants to bless us. He wants to cause us to flourish. And uh, if you were at West Point, you would have been given one of these books. They were given away free. It's a, it's a little Bible um, study book, really, um, sort of like daily reading notes. It's called The Blessed Life of the Kingdom of God. It's been written by Guy. Um, as far as I know, you can't buy it. They were just given away at West Point. It looks like that. It's a great resource. It's a great resource just on what it is to live the Christian life. In fact, it's so good. I don't think we should hang on to it. So if you weren't at West Point and you would like this book, first one who comes and grabs it out my hand gets it. You do have to promise to read it. You're going to have to run fast. One of you's going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I think this man probably was meant to have it, Sam. He did get there first. <laughs> but very close. Can I encourage you, once you've read your copy, why not give it away to somebody else in the church? Why not give it away to somebody else in the church that they can be blessed too? It's time, friends. It's time. 
It's time for a change in our thinking. It's time for a change in our thinking that we get hold of what the truth of the Scriptures are, that we have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, and we start to see and understand, actually, God doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to be people, agents of the kingdom, people who live out, out of the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, and bring something of that to the world around us. Can I say, just as I was preparing this, those who are going away to university, whether it's first time or second time or third time or fourth time, my son's pulling a face at me. Um, He hates being embarrassed. Uh, Edward. And... uh, (laughs) can I just say I feel there's a commissioning in God go and thrive at university go and thrive don't look to survive look to thrive get hold of the word get hold of the spirit allow him to guide you and direct you and thrive at university Take something of the kingdom of God into your flat, into your house, into your halls of residence, into your course. Express it in how you live, in, in what you do, in, in the way in which you behave. And we'll talk about it too. No grace to talk about it. No grace, find grace in God to express that hope which is deeper in you and share it with others. Now, some of you were going, amen. Can I just say, while I've just focused on the students, let's all do that. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Anthony. Let's all be like that. Let's get that in our mentality. Actually, we're all called to flourish in God and to express something of the kingdom of God to the world around us, whether it's our neighbours, our friends, our family, our work colleagues, the person who serves you in the shop or the garage or wherever else you may go. Let's be people who've got that in us. thing is, too often we can forget this stuff because we aren't in the Word. So we're not being shaped by the Bible. Or because we're ignoring the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to the Word and the Spirit constantly watering the ground of our lives. Keeping us soft and tender. Helping us to respond to God's direction. Staying in the grace of God. Not legalism and having to perform and all that sort of stuff. That we stay in the grace of God. We're motivated by the grace of God. Let's be people like that. Let's encourage one another to be like that. It's time. It's time for a shift in our thinking. Get out of survival mode. Get into flourishing mode. There's all sorts of ways in which our thinking may need to change. We may need to break out of independence into interdependence. We may need to break out of individualism to togetherness and to understanding what body is. We may need to break out of legalism and judgmentalism and enjoy much more the grace of God and let that grab hold of us. We may need to break out of passivity And actually start becoming very intentional. Knowing that actually I'm a blessing. I am God's blessing. Like Abraham was. Father of a multitude. He was there to bless a people. We have that same promise. We exist to bless Alton. To bless our work colleagues. To bless our neighbourhoods. To bless our village. To bless 
our schools, colleges, universities, or wherever else we go. But it starts with the ground getting watered by the Word and the Spirit. The ground getting soft, us being shaped and uh, moulded by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. Let's be a people, therefore, of the Word and Spirit. Can I ask you to ask this question? What's God saying needs to be addressed in the ground of your life today? Is there a wrong belief, a wrong understanding, a wrong practice, which the Spirit of God even now is putting his finger on? Where you go, oh, yeah, that needs to change. That doesn't fit with the Word. It doesn't fit with the work of the Spirit in my life. What is it? If you've got a notebook and you're aware of something, maybe you just need to write it down so you don't forget. I appreciate most people don't have notebooks nowadays, but if you have your smartphone handy, you can make a note in your smartphone, your tablet, or whatever else. That's the first area. The second one was this. Decontamination. That's a big word, isn't it? Decontamination. It's one of those words which feels... Oof! How can you mention that word? It feels dirty. It feels grubby. It feels like, ooh, it's going to get messy. Bring it on. In God. That's exactly what decontamination's like. It's about resolving the past. And, you know, we've, uh, as we've just read in this passage, if we're going to press forward, we need to leave behind. That's part of the passage we just read. Two go together. If you try and press ahead without leaving behind, you always get pulled back. It's like being attached on a bungee cord. And no matter how far you try and step forward, you inevitably get pulled back. If you just focus on the behind, I probably should rephrase that. <laughs> if you focus on what is behind... The problem is you're just looking backwards all the time and you never find a way forwards. The two have to go together. And we can leave things behind well or we can leave things behind badly. If we don't address things well, the past will shape and influence us. It will control us. It will define us. It will taint us. It will affect how we think. It will affect how we see things. It will affect what we do or why we do what we do. Unresolved issues will fester and will try to control or even define us. It will shape our behavior. But if we deal with the past well, if we identify the issues, if we call them out for what they are, if we address the lies, the history, the strongholds which have got built around it, strongholds in our thinking, strongholds in our understanding. If we lay them genuinely to rest, often involving forgiveness and sometimes repentance, we can deal with the past. There is grace in God to deal with any past. And every past. 
And then we can press forward, unattached to the past. We can press forward in God, unhindered, unfettered, released, empowered, enabled. I don't know about you, but that's the sort of life I want to live. Pressing forwards. It's time. It's time for us to lay some things to rest. We've started that recently. For those of you who were here, you'll know about that. A week last Thursday, we started talking about one of our uh, a big issue, really, to do with our past around the whole area of how we have had, uh, and please listen to me very carefully in what I'm saying here, how we've had multiple failures amongst our eldership and leadership teams over the last 20, 30, 40 years. That's not saying that all elders have failed. Okay? Just to be very clear on that, I'm not saying that. But how we have had multiple failures. And the problems which that creates, whether it was failures to do with immorality or control and manipulation or abuse of authority or position and status or lack of leadership responsibility and activity... The results have included us, people in this church, feeling unsupported, disenfranchised, a loss in confidence in eldership, uncertainty even about what eldership is, is meaning people don't want to step up to lead, don't want to be responsible. And we're just starting to unpack that a bit. We're starting to understand and practice, hopefully, a good model of biblically, uh, a biblical servant-based leadership. Recognizing that all of us are called to exercise God-given authority in our lives. We all actually have leadership responsibility in our lives because we're all called as sons of God to see the kingdom come. And to see the kingdom come requires us to exercise authority. And the exercise of authority is a form of leadership. And therefore, we all actually need to be released in that. In our homes, in our workplaces, in our church community. This is leadership at work. Not accepting status quo, but bringing hope, grace, mercy, peace, and ultimately the love of God to those without it. We must recognize leadership has many forms and types of expression and isn't just limited to elders in the church. Many different forms. And we as elders, those of us who have that responsibility in Harvest Church, are committed to accountable, open, servant-based leadership looking to release looking to empower, looking to equip, looking to resource and protect all of us as a church, whilst encouraging and enabling each one of us to take up our God-given responsibility to see his kingdom come through each of our lives. We're digging out some contaminated ground here. Seeing control and manipulation broken. 
Wow, that's just one area. You may say, what are the other two? Don't know yet. Let's work on this one. God will lead us. God will make it abundantly clear. We can trust his spirit. We'll be in prayer about it. You please be in prayer about it too. We know that's one of them. We've got some ideas on what the others may be, but we're not yet at that place where we're going to start hitting those yet. Let's get one done. Let's get it done well. Let's learn together a different model of doing things, a different way of doing things. While that may be a key issue for us corporately, the reality is we may well have contaminated land in our lives. Let's make sure we stop also and say, Father, is there something there you really need to dig out? And if there is, Lord, give me grace to deal with it. It may be an issue of addiction, addictive behaviour. It may be repetitive sin, sin confess cycle type stuff. It may be disbelief or fear or shame or anxiety or worry. It could be a whole load of different things. Wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be good though to get rid of it? Wouldn't it be good to get rid of that pollution, that thing which leaches into so many different parts of our lives and affects the whole of us, which controls us, which determines us. I think it would be good. I want to encourage us. Let's allow God to speak into our hearts and bring his freedom, his healing, his release. And that third word, third point, it's about digging deep foundations. Digging deep foundations. Getting ready for a significant work of God amongst us. And again, at West Point, there were two words brought, which I felt were really important. I want to share them here so we've all heard them, because I think they're going to be key words which will help us on our journey together. Uh, one was brought by a man called Dave Devonish, and he talked about uh, it being a time for fresh steps of faith. A time for fresh steps of faith. He had a, a, a picture of a half-open door. And he said, it's time not just to live on old faith, but it's time to move on. He saw this picture of half-open doors, uh, which we need to see as an invitation from God. You, sometimes we can look at a half-open door and think, well, it's not open, therefore I won't go through it. And he was encouraging us in God to actually press through, go through the door. God was saying, go through the door, give it a shove, give it a push. If it's half open, that's a work of God that we need to see it's a work of God and push. That's part of our response to what God is speaking to us, that we're not just waiting lackadaisically for him just to open the door completely. He's saying, no, let's engage, let's push through. Open doors of faith. Don't need to be fearful of going through the wrong ones because God is with us. Let's be people who press through doors of faith. Can I just say this? You may be here today and you may be at the point where you're not even sure you've got a faith in God yet. You may be thinking, I don't know whether I believe in him. But you may just be seeing a little chink of light around the doorway. You're thinking, but it sort of makes sense. 
can I encourage you, explore the Christian faith. For me, I had an encounter with God on my 16th birthday and for the following two and a third years, I explored the Christian faith before I came to faith in God. I'm just a bit slow. You don't need to spend that long. I'd encourage you, go on an alpha course. There's, there's flyers all over, the, all over the building at the moment for an alpha course starting just in a couple of weeks' time. Go on an alpha course, explore the Christian faith, ask all the awkward questions you can think of and make up some extra ones and keep on asking those awkward questions until you meet with God because if you want to meet with him, the one thing you can be absolutely sure of is he is here to be found. And if you've got a genuinely open heart, he will meet with you. He will reveal himself. He'll show you the uh, significance of Jesus' death on the cross. We've just celebrated just now that that was a death which paid for our sin. It paid the penalty for our sin and shame. It's a death which brings release and freedom into the grace of God, the undeserved love and mercy of God. Please, I, I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. If you don't yet know him, explore, press in. Don't let your past stop you. You may say, but you don't understand. My past's awful. My past, uh, nobody loves me. That's a lie. The truth is God does. And he loves you so much that Jesus died for your sin. That you can come to him regardless of what that sin is. Regardless of how full of shame or not you may feel. The grace of God is available to all of us. Press in. The second word which was brought was brought by a man called Tony Lynch, funnily enough, from the coin. And uh, he brought a word about uh, doubling. How God wants us to enter a season of doubling. Now, I don't know what that does for you when you hear that or, or what your response was at West Point. If you were at West Point and you heard that, doubling... Does that mean I'm going to be 160 kilos rather than 80 kilos? What's doubling mean? Does it mean we double as a church? Goodness, we can't fit 500 people in here. What does doubling mean? Well, I think what it means for us, these are movement words. And so uh, as a family of churches, they're a word for us as a family of churches. For each church, it will mean different things because faith will arise in us, individually and corporately. Maybe doubling for us is actually having two meetings on a Sunday. Maybe that's one meeting here and one meeting in another part of town. Maybe it's one meeting here and one meeting in a different town. Maybe it's two meetings here on a Sunday morning because that growth is there. Maybe doubling means having double the number of people on Alpha this time as to what we've done before. Maybe doubling is seeing a doubling of healings or of baptisms. What's doubling look like in your life? What would doubling look like? What would you love to see God increase in your life today, in this next season? What would you love to see God increase in us as a church? One of the things I started praying about when I heard that one, not the only one by any means, was, Lord, we've got a gift week coming up in a few weeks' time. Could we double that? Now, even as I utter those words, I think, 
You silly idiot, Andrew, for uttering those words out loud. What do you mean, could we double it? Of course we can. In God. And yet the other part of me thinks, you silly idiot, Andrew. Putting that out there, what happens if it doesn't happen? What happens if we don't? Well, that's okay. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. That's fine. We're not saying God said that's what we've got to do. Wouldn't it be great to get our mortgage cleared quicker? Wouldn't it be great to have that release of finances? Rather than looking for 50,000 in our gift week in October, going for 100,000 plus gift aid. Now, some of you are already doing the sums in your head. You're thinking, well, if I was to double what I put in the last offering, how would I eat? What would I do with the kids? Do I sell a kidney? Or other, other, other types of questions which come to mind. <laughs> this isn't to create legalism. This isn't to create pressure because we give out of grace. We give out of a love. We give because God gives to us and helps us to be great stewards of what he gives us. But it may not be about money for you. It may be about a doubling of something else in your own life. Or it may be something to do with the ministry in the life of the church where you, where you just, even now, you're starting to think, oh, God, could you double that? Not because we're manic about you know, size and all that sort of stuff, but we want to see a greater impact of the kingdom of God in our town. We want to see more people coming to worship Jesus because we know he is the answer. Can I encourage us? Let's pray. Let's pray God open doors. Help us to walk through half open doors of faith. Let's exercise faith together. God, double us. Double my spirit. <laughs> double my trust. Grow my faith. Double my faith in you. Help me to work this out. Friends, I, I, I know we're out of time. It's time, though. It's time. It's time to enter into a new season. It's time to press into the plans and purposes of God together. Can I encourage us? We can only do this by the grace of God. It's not about working harder. It's the grace of God at work in our lives. It's the spirit of God at work in our lives. God's got great plans for us. Do you know last week we saw somebody get saved? Isn't that a privilege? They don't even live in Alton. They live in Andover. Amazing story. They came to Alton to buy a second-hand rocking chair. And as they're driving to Alton, they feel God meets with them and says they need to go to church, which they haven't done for 20 years. They come and join us because they happen to know we are here. And they come back to Jesus. What an amazing sign of God's grace that we have the privilege of helping somebody else come to know Jesus. Not they're going to be part of our church yet. We've connected them with a, a, a new church over in Andover, which is part of us. For some of us, our response at this point is going to be, I believe, Lord, help me in my unbelief. That's a great prayer. Saying, God, I'll take you at face value. I'll trust you. But man, I find this hard. For others of us, it's going to be, God, I need your help. Please help me. I want to engage with this. 
Stir faith in me. Give me grace for this. For others, it may well be, come on, God, I'm sensing this. I want to press on. I commit myself to you. And you may have an alternative response again. Can I invite you, though, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I just want to respond. I want to say, God, I'm all in. I'm bought in for this new season. I want to get fully engaged in this new season. Then can I encourage you to stand at this point where you are? You don't need to come forward. Just stand where you are. If you're saying, I'm bought in, you know, I think right at the beginning of the meeting, Kathy brought a word from Philippians 1, saying, <laughs> talking about how uh, we can be confident that God is good and wants to do good in and through our lives. And that is absolute truth. It's, a, it's the truth from the word of God. And when that gets sown into our spirits. Go, yeah, that's part of what I'm here for. And the Spirit of God catches us up and goes, yes, please. So if that's you, stand and let's commit ourselves to God. We say, Father, we want to thank you. You're speaking to us. We want to thank you for what you're doing in our lives, individually and corporately. We do want to have well-watered ground, watered with your word and your spirit. We want it being decontaminated, that there's nothing there to poison, to distract, <laughs> dig out the contamination of our lives, individually and corporately. And we want to be a people who press in, <laughs> press into your purposes, press into your plans. We want to be a people of faith who see a doubling, a doubling of impact on our community. Help us, Lord, we ask. We can't do this by ourselves. We commit instead ourselves to you. We commit ourselves to your mercy. We commit ourselves to your grace. We commit ourselves to your spirit and say, Lord, have your way amongst us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Here on earth, as it is in heaven, through me, Lord, through each one of us, through us together as a body. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.